0: So, the older I get, and that seems to be happening minute by minute, the older that I get, there is more that I am sure of that I wasn't sure of before, and there are things that I'm less sure of as life goes on. So, my question for you is, what are you sure of? What are you sure of? I can be sure that the sun will rise in the east and will set in the west due to the Earth's rotation. You can be sure if I drop an object, gravity is going to have an effect on it and pull it down. You can be sure that the seasons will change in a somewhat predictable pattern. Even though we do live in Ohio, it will happen throughout the year. And we may not be certain of the day, but we do know that winter is coming. We're sure of our personal experiences, our memories, hopefully. And I am sure, if I serve a salad for dinner, that my husband, John, will say, hmm, no thank you, I had some the other day. (laughs) Now, all of these things kind of illustrate different levels, different types of assurance that we have different levels of it, different various aspects of our life. And while some of us don't talk about it as Christ followers, I know, I know because I know myself, and I have conversations with many of you at times, is that occasionally Christ followers experience doubts. Doubts about their faith, whether how the gospel works, the way they think it works is, is right, the genuineness of their own faith. Am I really a Christian? Am I a good Christian? And doubting the effectiveness of your prayers. I think you know, we all at some point, as human beings and as Christ followers, we struggle with assurance of being sure. And some of us, to combat, I know there was a season in my life when I wanted to kind of face off against my doubts, was to deep, deeply dig into having all of the right answers. I was going to win at whatever Bible trivia game you threw my way. I was going to have the right theology, always perfect. And I'll say this, we need to have a solid understanding of who God is. But if we focus too much on the data, the information, and not the person of God, we're actually committing two errors. One, we make it about ourselves. We make it about what we know, what we understand, what we're able to know and understand. We don't make it about God then. And two, we may fall into this, kind of deep hole of knowing a lot about God, but not knowing God. It's somewhat like knowing the stats of your favorite baseball player, but never having met them. You can have all the information. You can know where they went to high school, where they, you know, what their stats were in high school versus, you know, in the minor, and major leagues, but you have never met them. So you do not know them personally. And I think we commit that error when we seek to have all the information about god but do not really seek to know god and god does want us to have assurance confidence in him and his promises because it means that we trust him and that is the basis of good relationships and that is what we have with god is a relationship and the apostle john who has written this letter that we have been digging into these last weeks, um, speaks about the importance of faith and belief in Christ. Not head knowledge, but faith. Trusting in who God is. And it speaks confidently to knowing the person who made the promise, not just the promise. And so allow me to read our scripture for us today. Um, Jeff, I'm going to need your help here um, to pull those slides up. Um, And so we're going to start here in 1 John, chapter 5. Jeffrey. I need your help. I don't have a clicker. He is the troublemaker. So I need First um, John, chapter five. This is where we are. We're starting in, in, in verse six. And so let me read this for you. It's on the screen, obviously, um, but let's read this um, here. "This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify: the Spirit. The water and the blood. Back. Back. <laughs> and, the three, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which, has given, <laughs> which he has given us about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. I didn't bring my Bible up here because the font is so small, I can't read it up here. So I need the big screen. Whoever does not believe God. Oh my gosh, I have the power. <laughs> I can tell Kevin's getting sick of this. Um, <laughs> okay, throwback. Do you guys, if you grew up when you had to like manually go up to the TV and turn it? Or if you were in my family, there, it wasn't a knob anymore. It was a, a pair of pliers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, seriously, back into our scripture. If, if you can't have fun in church, where can you have fun? Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they, do, they have not believed the testimony of God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life to know, to have assurance. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, You should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death, which is rejecting God's love. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. That ends our passage for today. and actually ends this letter. In the opening verses of our passage, John is speaking about the f- importance of faith and belief in Jesus. He describes Jesus as the one who came not only through water, which is his baptism, but also through blood. And so this symbolism of referring to the baptism is also referring to Jesus' very life, that he lived perfectly, as well as his sacrifice on the cross. The perfect life he lived on earth, and his sacrifice and resurrection. So the whole package, in a way. Mm-hmm. Through these events, Jesus demonstrates his divine nature, his love for us, his role in cleansing us from sin, and creating an avenue for us to go home to God. In and in a world where truth sometimes seems you know, relative, and love, and we talked about this last week, human love can often be very superficial very limited, we are presented, when we read this passage, when we read this scripture, we are presented with this very powerful message here, that Jesus is the embodiment of truth and love, and his life and death are a testament, a testimony, a witness to God's immense love for humanity. And as we kind of journey through life, as we navigate our lives, um, we need to in the forefront of our mind, that faith isn't just simply a set of beliefs. It's an acknowledgement, a living into the incredible love that was poured out for us. And so as we dig into the scripture in verse 9, it's emphasizing this acceptance of that divine testimony, life and death and resurrection of Christ. And that when we have that, that leads to an assurance, a confidence, in the promises of God, particularly a promise of eternal life. And, and this is a big deal. And the thing is, we get caught up sometimes eternal life. Oh, I'm going to live forever. Well, that's kind of cool. It's, it's more than that, y'all. <laughs> it's more than that. It is about having a life that is deep, meaningful, rich in relationship with God at our center. Now, imagine a relationship that never ends, That is the relationship that we have with God. He will never leave nor forsake us. And that in this relationship there is love, there is joy, there is fulfillment. Now, John is saying here that whoever has the son has life, but whoever does not have the son doesn't have life. Meaning, you don't have this abundant life in God, this rich relationship that gives meaning and texture and beauty to our lives. That This is the source of life itself, the source of love. And when we embrace Jesus, we receive that gift of eternal life, that life that, again, is abundant, purposeful, and does not end. And it's an invitation here. It's an invitation to experience a love that surpasses all our understanding. And so part of that is the life that we live with god that intentionality that awareness with god in life but also we experience this through a powerful practice of prayer and john is speaking to this and we experience god's love through prayer this connection with god and i know that sometimes we sit and we wonder does my my prayers even matter and I'll tell you, as somebody who's been watching this as we have kind of engaged in this new practice of prayer here um, with our prayer wall and the cards and, and time midweek through pizza and prayer on, on Wednesdays at 6.30, I have seen the power of prayer and how it is knitting this community together. In a world where we see such polarization, such anger, such kind of just awfulness on the part of people, I have seen the beauty of relationship of how you have cared for one another in this beautiful practice and it happens because when we lean into that we experience God's love and that pours out from us and that's the thing like our prayers really matter and while John is saying here when we pray according to God's will doesn't mean that there is a special formula doesn't mean that there are magic words, okay? I know that some of us have certain phrases we use in prayer all the time. You know, uh, we may have particular names we use for God, and those are beautiful, wonderful things, but they are not magic. The power is when our prayers align with the character of God. When our attitude, our, our life in prayer is in alignment with God, you've ever had your tires out of alignment you're fighting the wheel but when it's in alignment it's gonna go the direction you want and that is what it means to be in alignment with God and that is what it means to have our prayers heard by God in this way it doesn't mean that God is a genie going huh what's your wish let me grant it for you It's about that alignment of desires. When our desires are aligned with God, suddenly our prayer life is changed. Our very nature starts to change in beautiful, wonderful ways. That our prayers do become more effective, but strangely, they're more effective on us. And when they start to look like God, his hopes, his desires for this world and people, life changes for us because our perception changes. And so as we continue into this passage a little deeper, John is doing a lot here. He is doing a lot because he's dealing with, with this assurance, this life in God, this prayer life, and then this idea of sin that leads to death, which there is no sin that God cannot conquer, but the sin that John is talking about is our deliberate rejection of God's grace. God will not force his grace or his love on us. So yes, that is something that will lead to death for us. Because God's not going to force himself on us. Because love is not forceful. That is the meaning here. So that is the hope that we have. And so John is encouraging us to pray for people who are struggling with sin. Who are struggling to trust God. That is really what happens sometimes in sin. We seek our own way because we do not trust God enough. To be obedient to him. We trust, though, in prayer for people that God will intervene and bring them home, bring them back to him. Our prayers have this beautiful potential to be life-changing, both for, the, both for us and for those that we are interceding on behalf of. And this is, is kind of the kicker, and it goes back to this theme that we have been just kind of rolling through here in First John is the idea of assurance. Assurance, with an A, not insurance, what you pay for your car, your house, whatever your livelihood, assurance. It is confidence, trust. It's a strong sense of confidence or trust in something. You know, kind of imagine this, someone who has kind of diligently saved, has invested, Um, their money for retirement. They have savings, they have a well-thought-out plan, they have consulted with financial experts. And while they cannot predict the market and how it will fluctuate or what is going to happen eventually, they have assurance that their preparations can provide a secure future. There's an assurance there, there's a confidence in that, I've taken these steps in this direction. Another way to look at assurance is to consider maybe a student who's worked hard, they have studied, they have engaged with their coursework, and they have this assurance that their academic journey is going to be completed. They may have had difficult exams, they may have had very challenging assignments. Doesn't mean they've gotten A pluses across the board, but their dedication has given them the confidence the assurance that eventually they're going to succeed and achieve whatever educational goal it is. And Kind of a final way to think about assurance is through kind of a, a very committed relationship. You know, you think about a very loving, committed relationship where partners, yeah, they face ups and downs. Now, I, I, I hope that you have one, at least one couple in your life that you've been, bear, you've been able to bear witness to this where you've seen a loving, committed couple, where yes, they are gonna face the challenges of life, but they face it together. That they have this deep emotional connection with one another, they have communication, and their shared experiences together have helped them navigate life together. And that gives them an assurance that they can work through anything together and they can maintain their strong bond. Now I give you those examples because sometimes assurance is something that we're not sure of. There we go. Um, But I want us to really understand this because when we have this in our faith, this this is a beautiful thing. You know, and it comes from a combination of things. It comes from a combination of preparation, dedication, trust, as well as a hope for positive outcomes. Now, even when you know, uncertainties arise, and I don't know about you, but these last few years have been for me a lot of uncertainty, things that I thought were rock solid, woo, went out the window. But there were other things that just further solidified my trust in, to go, I know this is true even more so now because I've been through this journey in this direction. I think about my marriage and my relationship with my husband. In the last few years, um, let's put aside a global pandemic. Let's put aside all the political crap out there. You know, my husband and I have had this just weird, strange journey into parenthood. You know, struggles with infertility and then going through foster to adopt and then having, you know, this unexpected... But we do know how it happened. Um, pregnancy, you know, so now, you know, a few years later, I have three children where before I had a doctor telling me it's not going to happen for you birthwise. You have a 3% chance of conception and a 60% chance of loss with any pregnancy. Those are crappy odds, y'all. We don't bet on that. That is not a horse to bet on. But I knew in my soul that John and I would become parents. That was the assurance I had. Not how it would happen, but that it would. That is assurance. And that is taking that that peace into areas of life together. And that is what it is to have trust in who God is and what he has promised us. Our scripture teaches us that we have a faith that is an assurance of things hoped for a conviction of things that we have not seen now we have a world where we want absolute certainty we want to know that what we we have planned for will happen a lot of us have some control issues and the thing is we really don't have a lot of control and our faith though reminds us that the one who is in control is trustworthy And that assurance can be even more powerful because even when things don't pan out the way you thought they would you trust in the end result you know that what you have hoped for will come to be even if it's not in the way that you imagined it now as people who live in a very fast-paced ever-changing world like seriously things are changing like I have been trying to understand AI you know artificial intelligence just to kind of What does this mean? You know, is it really going to be a Terminator future or not? But it's fascinating to me. But at the same time, like, things are changing radically. And an assurance in our faith is an anchor that I don't know about you, but I need. I need it in the midst of all the uncertainties on life. That I need an assurance that God's love is unchanging. That his grace is unchanging, and that can bring me comfort when I am so discomforted. It can bring me comfort when I am so uncomfortable. And it allows us to navigate things through the challenge of life with this sense of profound purpose and resilience. Knowing that even when we cannot predict the future, we can trust in God's plan. And so the value of assurance lies in the journey itself. It's what carries us through in this life, trusting in who God is. And as we grow older, I think, the questions about life's mysteries, they can sometimes linger, but our faith offers the assurance that seeking and questioning Seeking and questioning are not only acceptable, but they are integral to our relationship with God. We need to continually be curious about God because that is what we do in healthy relationships, is that we learn more about each other because we're growing. And as we grow, we're going to learn more about God. An understanding of God, perspective of God. And that is beautiful. So questions, doubts, they can be powerful means to enrich our relationship with God. See, when we have assurance, it doesn't replace uncertainty. It transforms it. It's not about having all the answers, you're all. We're not going to have all the answers. But it is about having a deep, deeply rooted confidence in God, in his presence, in his promises. And so as we think about this process that we are in, that we call life, and this journey that we have that is faith. You know, in those moments where we have uncertainty, this is what will ground us. And so as we think about what it means to live this out, that these central themes that John has been pouring out for us throughout this letter, you know, this faith in Jesus, this love for God, and the love that God has for us, this discernment of truth and what that looks like, and the gift of the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit, that we have this confidence because of all these things and this relationship with God. So when everything feels uncertain, we lean into this foundation again and again. And so those of us who know that we are born of God, who have accepted Christ, we have this confidence and when we have this confidence of belonging of God's love which we can do nothing to lose except reject like think about that like no behavior that you have no sin that you have is greater than God's love for you no sin in you is greater than God's love when you live every day like that there is a profound sense of confidence because yes, everything else in life can be lost, but you will never lose God's love. And suddenly you're operating in life not from a place of insecurity, but a place of surety. A place of belonging that will never be taken from you. And so as we kind of wrap this up in thinking about this, this digital world that we, we live in with distractions and comparisons and kind of John's final words to us to avoid idols um, for us. It's really meant to kind of wrap things up of like what will distract you from God? Idols aren't just about statues. They're more about those distractions, those things that rob us of being aware of God in our midst. That awareness that is such a gift from God that can be overshadowed by all the noise of this world. Those are the things that we need to be worried about, mindful of where we spend our time, our energy, our devotion. So that's his kind of final caution to them. And I think throughout this letter, we have seen how different idols have robbed the community that he's writing to of their assurance, of their relationship being so solid in God because they're distracted. You know, I think about it when I'm having conversations with people and I'm more attentive to my phone than the person in front of me. I miss things. I miss that relational connection with them because I'm distracted. And those are the same things in our lives that can distract us from God. So in this world of uncertainties, we, have a foundation in Jesus that is firm. And that means for us that our lives have purpose, our prayers have power. It means that we are deeply loved by God, who gave everything for us, that His love for us is authentic and real. And to everyone who He issues, everyone, for the whole world, God gave His only Son this is an invitation to everyone y'all means y'all all have this invitation to real genuine relationship with god that is marked by truth love and faith so my friends as we dig into this and think about this i want us to embrace our identity as beloved children of god and to walk in the confidence that comes with that. Because when we live into that, we can't help but love others. That we pour out love on others because we have been so well loved by God. And so navigating this journey, remember that faith faith is not blind. It's a response to God's love, evident in the person of Christ. So, what does it mean to be aware of God's love? And we've been asking this question, and I'm going to keep asking it. I'll rephrase it a few times, but you're just going to have to deal with me. Because we have an inattentiveness to the presence of God in our world. And so we want to always redirect ourselves to God in life. And so I'm going to keep asking this question of you guys. And you're going to have opportunities to answer this question multiple times, but have you encountered, so I'm rephrasing it for you all this week, I've been asking you, where have you seen the love of Christ recently? So this week it's thinking about it this way. Have you encountered any moments recently where you have felt the presence of Christ's love? Have you encountered any moments recently where you have felt the presence of Christ's love? I'll share one with you. Um, I shared with you a few weeks ago that I love on my kids by singing You Are My Sunshine to them. And that was something my mom did with me. And as I've been doing this with my kids, they are starting to sing it back. And their sweet little voices, they're such a beautiful connection. They're, they're off key, they don't know the right words, and it's beautiful. And it's in those moments that I am, like, overwhelmed by love for my kids, but also love from God. And so for me, that is where I felt most recently, the presence of Christ's love. So my friends, I want you to think about this question. To embrace our faith, to live out this love means we have to pay attention to it. So I'm going to keep calling our attention to it. Because when we do so, then our lives become a testimony to grace that we have already received. Let's embrace the beauty of that assurance that our faith offers us. And here's a second piece. Let us encourage one another. I want you to share your moment with somebody. You can tell somebody, you can text it in to me You can write it on a prayer card. You can wait till you get home and you can tell somebody else. But I want you to use it as an encouragement to somebody else. Let us encourage one another to see God's love, to know it as a sure thing in our lives, that we then find strength in life's uncertainties, and that we have this opportunity every day to walk this path together. My friends, you are cherished. You are deeply loved by the creator of the universe. You are called. You have an eternal purpose. I want you to walk in his light of his love every day. May it be so. Amen.